Praise God. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, they heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me.
Let's take a moment for prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, O Lord, because we know that you are here, O Lord. We have felt your spirit and your presence. We know, O Lord, that you are here to speak to our need of you, to receive our praise and worship, to have your love be our love, and for us to feel, O Lord, your grace. Now, O Lord, I just ask that you will speak to us through this word as it is proclaimed, that we will hear what you want us to hear and see what you want us to see. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus had been raised from the dead. It had been several weeks. We know that he had appeared to the disciples and to the women at the tomb. And the disciples yet don't know what they're going to do with this information. They're not sure what's next. Jesus has been raised from the dead, but what does that mean for them? Where do they go from here? They, they know that something more is going to be coming, but they're not really sure what. And we find that they're still kind of unsure about what their very next step is going to be. And then we hear Peter say to the other disciples, you know what? I'm going fishing. And you know, I love fishing. I used to do it a lot. I used to go fishing all the time. And I can tell you it's relaxing and it's something that I do sometimes when I want to have some time alone with the Lord. There's something nice about being out there in the water all by yourself, just you, the fishing line, God, and the fish. And I can imagine that maybe Peter felt that way. He felt he needed some time to be with God. He felt he needed some time to pray. He felt he needed some time to figure it all out. And he says, I'm just going to go fishing. And before you know it, everybody else goes, we're coming with you. And you know how fun that is when you want to go somewhere by yourself and everybody else says, I'm coming. And before you know it, your car's full. I mean, that's, that must be how he felt when that happened because I think that he was trying to get some time away, away from everything that was going on, do something that he was used to, that he could control. You know, there's something comfortable about doing something that you know. Being involved in an activity that, that has become routine for you, and fishing is like that. You know what you're doing, you know about fishing, you know about getting your bait on there, and, and if you're doing it like they did, you're, you know how to use those nets to go out into the sea. And I'm sure that Peter was looking for that familiarity. He went back to what he knew best, fishing. And everybody came with. And the scripture says that they fished all night long. And they didn't catch anything. And if you are a fisherman, you know that there are days when you catch a lot. And then there are those days that you can't even catch you a minnow. There are days when you, everything's biting. And then there's days when the, only the mosquitoes will bite. And you learn to take the good days with the bad days because you know that's how it works when you go fishing. And you know that it's all about the process, not necessarily about the outcome. But I'm sure that after that whole night of fishing, they were ready to pack it in. 
And the scripture says that Jesus was on the shore. They were only about 100 yards off, so they weren't far off the shore. And they were at, at shouting length, I'm sure, that Jesus could say something and they could hear it because the scripture says that Jesus on the shore says, children, you have no fish, have you? And you know, if you're a fisherman, that's like the most dreaded question that you can get when you haven't caught anything all night. Did you catch anything? No. I mean, it's a downer. And you can imagine that they're, they're thinking to themselves, great, somebody asking us if we caught something and we haven't caught a thing all night. And, but the question in Scripture is actually a statement. We have a question mark in our, in our Bibles, but if you read the original, it was more of a statement. Jesus wasn't asking them whether they had caught any fish. He was telling them, you have no fish, right? 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 He, they had to admit it. No. We don't have any fish. Sometimes it is only when we admit that we do not have that Jesus provides. When we admit that we can't do it ourselves, when we humble ourselves to admit that without Jesus we can't do it, that Jesus shows up and does a miracle. Because while we try to pretend like we got it all under control, nothing happens. And the scripture says that they had fought, been out there all night, caught nothing, and Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some fish. Well, let's face it, fishermen will do anything to catch fish. If a fisherman down the street tells you that he stood on one foot and threw into that hole over there, you might try it just once when nobody's looking because you want to catch some fish. If somebody tells you, you know, this is the lure you need, we'll go out there and buy that lure because we want to catch some fish. If you're a fisherman, you've got a tackle box bigger than your toolbox at home because you want to catch some fish. And the disciples wanted to catch some fish. And they recognized that what they had done had not worked all night. Doing the same thing that they were just being told to do, only with very specific instructions. Throw to the right side of the boat. How many times does Jesus tell us very specifically, throw to the right side of the boat? I don't think it's a coincidence that it was the right side. He's telling us to do things right by him, to follow him, to be obedient to him. Throw on the right side of the boat and you will catch some fish. There is a promise in the commandment to be obedient to God. And the promise is blessing. The Old Testament teaches us if you follow my commandments and my statutes, you will be blessed in the land that the Lord will give you. But do we believe that? See, there's a promise in there. And so a lot of us, unfortunately, don't trust the instructions and start going, well, you know, I've already tried that, already been there, already threw my net all night, tired, don't want to do it anymore. But the disciples were true fishermen, enough that they were willing to throw the net on the right side. And the scripture says that the minute they threw that net over the right side, it was filled with so many fish 
that they knew a miracle was happening in front of them. They knew it because they'd been out there all night. And the disciple whom Jesus loved immediately said, this sounds familiar. I've seen this before. When did this happen before in our lives that somebody instructed us to throw our net in a particular place or a particular time and we caught a lot of fish? When the Lord was with us, when he called us at the very beginning and he told us to go deep and cast our nets. And he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, it's the Lord. You know, when you're 100 yards off, you might not be able to see. They're about that big, right? But he didn't have to see him to know it was him. You see, we love signs and wonders because when we see signs and wonders, we know the Lord is among us. We know that he is acting on our behalf. We know that something is happening. And so they, they saw the sign of the fish in the net, and immediately they knew that it was Jesus, that it was truly the Lord. And, you know, Peter didn't even wait. He put something on and jumped in the water to go swim to shore. I, I would have stayed in the boat with the other guys because I'm one of those fishermen that no fish left behind. You know, there was a net full of fish, and I wouldn't have left those fish, right? And so he swims to shore, and when he gets to shore, the rest of the guys are bringing in the net on the boat, and they're coming to shore. And the Scripture says that when they got there, there was already a charcoal fire, there was already fish, and there was already bread. And I want you to hear that. There was already all of these things. And Jesus had already been preparing it. Jesus does not need your fish. But he wants your fish. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your money. He doesn't need your time, but he wants your time. He doesn't need your dedication, but he wants your dedication. He doesn't need your faith, but he wants your faith. They got there and there was already fish being prepared for them. Yet Jesus said, Simon, why don't you just give me some of those fish you just brought in? And the scripture says, Simon went back on the boat and got the net and started to bring it in. And you know, there's always got to be somebody among the fishermen who counts. Because fishermen keep score. We weigh it, we measure it, we take pictures with it right? And so they brought the fish out, and the scripture tells us that there was 153 fish, but they weren't minnows. They were large fish. Only a fisherman would keep that detail in. They were large fish, plenty of fish, enough fish to show that this was truly a sign that God was among them, and you know, it goes to show that in the kingdom of God, we need all kinds of people. We need the people that man the boat. We need the people that man the nets. We need the people that count the fish. We need the people that haul them in. We need all kinds because all of that is important. That detail, 153. I just want to know which one of the disciples sat there and went, one, two, three, four, fifth. 153. 
you realize somebody did this? Otherwise, we wouldn't know how many were there. It didn't say about 150. They counted every single fish because in God's kingdom, every fish matters. And then the scripture says that they went to have breakfast with Jesus. Now, I would, I would love the opportunity to sit on the beach with a charcoal fire, breaking bread and eating fish with Jesus, wouldn't you? Oh, what an experience. And not just Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the living Christ, right there on the beach. And the scripture says that he broke the bread and gave it to them and gave them fish to eat. And, you know, it was, it was a, a Last Supper kind of experience as he shared with them. And the scripture says not a single one of them dared to say, who are you? Because they all knew it was Jesus. You know, when all this happens, there's no doubt anymore in your mind that this has to be Jesus. There is no doubt. They didn't doubt for a moment that it was him. And breakfast was over. And the scripture says that Jesus turned to Simon Peter. And he said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, it's a comparative question, right? Do you love me more than these? Who are these? The other disciples, right, that are there at breakfast. Well, if you're a competitive fellow like Simon Peter was, the answer came quickly, yes, Lord. Yes, you know that I love you. Yes, you know it. You see, I think all of the time that Simon Peter was with the Lord, he was always trying to excel at everything. He wanted to be the boldest. He wanted to be the, the bravest. He wanted to be the most outspoken for his faith. He was the one that, would, that said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And so he wanted to be able to affirm, yes, I love you. He probably said it pretty strongly. And Jesus looked at him and said, feed my lambs. And lambs are baby sheep. Feed them. But then Jesus wasn't done. He turned to him a second time and he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now it wasn't, do you love me more than the others? Now it wasn't, are you the one that loves me the most? Now it was, do you love me? And Simon must have thought about it. And being the overachiever that he was, got bold with confidence one more time and said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, the whole time he's affirming that Jesus already knows the answers to the questions that he's asking. But what happens when somebody asks you the same thing over and over again? If your wife asks you the same thing over and over again, you start wondering if you're giving the wrong answer. You start questioning yourself. You start asking, okay, 
What am I not getting in this question? There's something here that I am not really catching on to. Did I miss a word somewhere? Jesus comes a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the scripture says he felt hurt. He felt hurt that Jesus asked him a third time a similar question about his love. At that point, I'm sure that Simon immediately, after being asked three times, went back to his denial of Jesus three times and said, is he remembering that I messed up? Is he remembering that I denied him before? Is he holding that against me right here? That he's asking me a third time, do you love me? And the scripture says that he turned to Jesus, and I I think his tone was a little more subdued by the third time. Jesus, you know everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The progression in the questions is interesting. The first one was feed my lambs. The second one was tend my sheep. And by the third one, he's feeding the sheep. So he is increasing the responsibility in the asking of what he is to do. He's saying you begin at the beginning, you're just going to feed the lambs, the little ones, the young ones. They're just starting. By the second one, you got to tend to them because they're, they're getting older and more rowdy. And by the third one, you got to feed them and take care of them because they need protection. They need to be maintained together in a safe place where they can have food and water and everything they need. Jesus was asking Peter whether he was willing to do all of these things. And in a way, I think this scripture asks us, whether we're willing to do those things for others. Are we willing to receive those who are young in the faith and feed them the unadulterated word of God that they might grow into sheep, that they might grow into those who can recognize the voice of the shepherd, that they might grow up to want to be part of the kingdom and come in through the gate? And are we willing then to tend them which means getting our hands dirty sometimes, getting them out of the muck, which means sometimes having to carry them a length of the way because they're hurt, which means at times having to sacrifice ourselves so that they can be well. And then are we willing to feed them as grown sheep, which means helping them to mature, and to come to the full stature of disciples of Christ. Are we willing to do that? Peter's answer was, I'm willing. He said, Jesus, you know everything, which was Peter's way of saying, you are God. You are God. You know everything. I love you. And because I love you, 
I'm willing to do these things that you're calling me to. Jesus then indicated how Peter would die. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to know how I'm going to die. It would freak me out. He told him, he said, you're going to be bound. You're going to be taking places you don't want to go. You're going to suffer because you share the gospel of what I've done. But then Jesus turns to him and says, follow me. Even though you know it's going to cost you your life, follow me. Are we willing to follow if it costs us our lives? Because following Jesus in discipleship means surrendering our lives to him. It means I no longer live for me, now I live for him. It means I no longer do just for me, I do for the good of the kingdom. And it means that nothing I have is mine. Because all the fish in the net were a blessing from God. Who told me to where to cast my net. And who provided the catch when I couldn't do it on my own. Where are we now? Are we hearing Jesus ask us if we love him? Are we feeling his call to feed and tend the flock? And are we showing Jesus that we love him? I hope we are. I think we are. I see it in our, this church all the time when someone comes into this community of faith and we embrace them and we receive them and we offer them the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray that we continue to do that because Jesus' love is best expressed in our love for one another. This is where people see that we truly follow Jesus as his disciples. And that is where Peter was being invited to go. Will you follow me? I pray you will. Follow Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the scripture. I thank you because it challenges us, oh Lord, to respond to your question of whether we truly love you in our lives, of whether we're truly willing to do what it takes that others might know you, might experience you, might might know your forgiveness and your grace in their own lives. I ask, O oh Lord, that you will empower us to continue to receive people into your kingdom, to help to nurture them and to mentor them and to disciple them, that they might grow to be faithful and strong disciples of Jesus Christ. I just ask you, O oh Lord, that you will continue to call us to follow you and that we will continue to answer in the affirmative. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.